the Business Buzz Podcast. More justice on the Business Buzz. Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on VAL FM. That's Voice of Vits. We're broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mudiwa Mob, Justice Gawaza, and I'll be your host for tonight's show. We're here until about 7pm, so definitely make sure you don't turn that down. Hold on to your seats because we're going to make business nice and exciting for you, everyone out there. On today's show, we're looking at something very interesting it's a bit of a it's a bit of a change uh, from what we tend to do on this show today we're going towards the more of uh, the entertainment industry and we're going to be looking at the business of festivals and uh, for those that are aware at the moment we've got uh, the Grahamstown um, National Arts Festival that's happening um, it actually started uh, around the 28th of June and I think it's ending to uh, on Sunday if I'm correct so we're going to be looking at who's actually benefiting from these festivals uh, where are the Rans and Nairas? Where are the where are the business models? Um, should you be getting into some of these things? Where are the supporting industries? And who is making the real money? We've got a jam-packed show for you. Uh, but before we get into all of that stuff, we actually um, went on the streets. Our producer, Tlengi Wezondo, actually uh, went out and asked uh, a number of you out there how much you'd actually be willing to pay to enter some of the bigger festivals in South South Africa, and this is what people had to say. My favorite music festival is literally Joburg Day. And the reason for that is because I really, really love Highfelt. Look, you want to go work there, and I'm willing to spend at least 600 rands for everything in terms of drinks and entry. And would I get into the. Of course, I want to be a presenter. How about that? My favorite music festival, I'd say, is Opi Kopi. Uh, what draws me to this music festival is the feeling of escaping and being immersed in music. Uh, I'd be willing to spend about a thousand rand for the weekend uh, on a ticket. And I'd say on refreshments, I'd spend about 600 rand. And of course, I'd have it as a business if I found a special location. So my favorite music festivals are um, I Heart Joburg and... Um, uh, Live Loud by 5FM. So I like it, for, first of all, because it's, 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 um, it's hosted by radio stations. So they have a variety of artists, so a variety of different types of music. And also, um, they're very family-friendly. So you can literally go there with your mom. You can go there with your, um, your little sister. So basically, you can just go there with anyone. So what is, yeah, that's basically the outstanding feature about them, the fact that they're so family-friendly. I'm willing to pay maximum 500 Rand for, like, a day event. Um, how much am I willing to spend on refreshments? However much I have, really, I just until I reach my limit, basically. I don't have um, a limit as to how much I would uh, spend. Um, would I go into this business? No, because I really don't think I have events planning skills. Um, so for me, uh, my favorite music festival uh, in South Africa is probably Ultra. Ultra is it's fun. That it's always fun, um, but it's a it's a little bit expensive. That's the the only problem I have with it. Um, yeah, the outstanding feature of Ultra, I guess, is like there's a lot of people there, so it's much bigger than other festivals I've been to. Um, and also, there's four different dance floors, and uh, different dance floors means you can get a variety of different DJs in, variety of different sounds. So that's always always something that's nice. Yeah, um, and I don't think I would ever work. 
um, on organizing events because a it seems like a lot of logistics, a lot of time, a lot of just stress. So yeah. My music favorite music festivals is Opi Kopi, Rocking the Daisies, Huawei Joburg Day, and Afropunk. Um, so the outstanding feature that draws me to such is the ambience, not only the ambience, also the culture aspect to it. So if it, if it appeals to the certain, certain cultures that I believe in, then I'm definitely going to go, without a doubt. Um, so generally, I spend about 500 Rand in terms of entry. Anything beyond that, there has to be some sort of accommodation aspect to it. Um, in terms of refreshments, I'm not really fussy because if there's bars everywhere, then I'm good, you know what I'm saying. In terms of going into business of organizing one, it's a possibility because I've sometimes identified things like Hubli, Bubbly not being like sold or being being hired out, you know, to the to the public. So that's one possible aspect that would make me go into organizing such. So that's what our show is going to be looking at. We're looking at the business of festivals. As you heard, uh, those are just some of the most popular um, festivals that a lot of people tend to have um, on the streets. The, the words Opi Kopi uh, stood out to me, and it seems that one is quite popular. But that's what we're going to be talking about today. And remember that you can uh, keep in touch with us, uh, follow the conversation, tell us what you think, um, tell us what some of your favorite um, festivals are around South Africa and how much you'd be actually be willing to pay to get into one of these festivals on facebook we have our fm that's voice of vits and then you can also find our facebook page that's uh vits radio academy and you can find us on twitter that's at vowfm our hashtag is hashtag business buzz and then our whatsapp line is all eight four zero seven eight four nine one two. vowfm.co.za that's where you can stream us live and then vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business that's where you can find all the podcasts to our show and remember that we are available on itunes as well. On the other side of this we are going to get into our business wrap. Uh, that's where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news, followed by our Buffalo Index for the state of your 100 Rand. Keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by a financial expert. We have Zanele Kunene, who is from BDO Wealth Advisors on the line. How are you, Zanele? I'm good in yourself, Mudiwa. Uh, now, I'm all right. As we begin our conversation, I understand that there have been uh, a few PMI figures that have been released over the last uh, week or so. Um, and uh, I'm not too sure what they actually mean, but I think it's something to do with our economies growing or, con- or, or contracting. What's going on? Yes, so ABSA released their purchasing management index results for the month of June, and what we saw that it actually declined. So the ABSA's PMI looks at manufacturing, that's very important. So it looks at production, new orders, unemployment, very important for us as young people. And in, at the end of May, we were at 49.8, and as at the end of June, we are at 47.9. So there is a decline in that. Um, Standard Bank also released their PMI, and the one thing about Standard Bank is they show the entire economy. So this is the one to look at. 
and a score above 50 points is good, so thumbs up. So according to Standard Bank's PMI, um, in May we were at 50 points, and as at end of June, we're at 50.9 points. So well done, South Africa. Our economy is growing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So looking at the disparity between uh, the two indexes, one is going up and one is going down, and the one that actually takes the whole economy into account is um, is on the rise. So is it to say that despite the fact that manufacturing tends to be down uh, on average, does it mean that we are getting our goods possibly from um, elsewhere in the world? Yes, it does. But what it also shows, what Standard Bank is also showing is that we are growing in that sense of getting output there, but that is in different sectors. So not only your manufacturing or agriculture, so in different other sectors of our economy, we're doing quite well. Um, but they also say, they did say that they are aware that uh, they are aware of high, in, high international oil, oil prices and the RAND weakening and the debate around um, land expropriation, all those other things. Um, so you have to be aware of all those other factors, although you see that growth is happening. But just at the back of your mind, remember all the other factors that can um, or that are influencing um, the South African economy. Um, let's actually switch over. You've uh, touched on the fact that the rand has been weakening a little bit. In terms of the exchange rate, what's uh, what's going on with this? We hear, I hear that the rand keeps weakening. Or oh, I think every week we're talking about a weakening of the rand. What's actually going on? Yeah, um, last week we were actually at 14 rand last Tuesday, which is quite shocking. Um, yeah, so right now we are at 13 rand 68, so about 13 rand 70. And the reason for that is because the dollar isn't weakening as such, but the global trade tensions between it and China have quite weighed heavily on um, the currency. So that's why South Africa, the South African um, rand has been strengthening a lot. Um, so not drinking as such, but we are at 13.68, and that's quite safe. Um, but the other factors to consider as to why our rand is weakening and what, what thoughts you should think about. First, it is foreign investment. So from January to June, um, foreign investors have sold about 34.7 billion rand of South African bonds. So it means they're pulling out money, they're taking out their money. Um, the South African economy as well, we had a very bad first quarter, so we are still also recovering from that. Um, and the geopolitical um, tensions that are happening in the world, such as your trade um the tit-for-tat trade um, saga with U.S. And, the China, and China, that also weighs heavily on us as South Africa because we are an emerging market. And as Lukman um, um, Ontanga said, that emerging markets are always in the crossfire when um, such huge economies are at war. So these are the kind of things that you have to think about when you hear the RAND is weakening. And I think uh, as we end off, the one of the biggest effects that we've actually seen because of the rand weakening, um, I think, is the price of fuel, which I think touched the 16 rand mark um, the other day. What's actually going on with that? Because interestingly, I was in Zimbabwe over the last week, and the price of fuel in Zim is actually coming down. You know, so people in South Africa might, might be wondering why are we the ones suffering? You know, um, but I read on Business Insider that South Africa pays five rand more for petrol than all the other southern, um, more than southern Africa. So we pay five rand more. Um, but um, government also says that the price, okay, 
government also said that the global average price for petrol in the world we actually quite cheaper than them by 36 cents. So we could be it could be expensive in South Africa, but compared to the global average, we are quite cheaper. Um, and one of the biggest questions people ask is, what can government do? How can government help this situation? Government said it could do very little to control fuel inflation because international exchange rates and um, change in international product prices also play an influence in that. But they did also say that the extra fuel levies that every South African is paying to buying petrol will be used to improve the transport infrastructure, which will then drive economic participation by business, which equals more economic activities, our GDP picking up. So that's what they're driving for. And hopefully we'll all see it that way. Um, yeah. So that was us on the line. We're talking to Zanele Kunene, who is our financial expert from BDO Wealth Advisors. Uh, some of the takeaways from what she's uh, talking about, she ran us through the PMI numbers that have come through from EBSA and Standard Bank. As you heard, the PMI numbers from EBSA are showing that manufacturing is down, but um, Standard Bank is telling us that the economy on the whole has been uh, growing quite a bit. The rand is down at the moment. I think we're sitting at 13 rand 68, and then uh, the fuel price uh, is shockingly high at the moment and as you heard we are paying five rand more um, than uh, other countries regionally but on the whole globally south africans rest uh, you should be you know at peace to know that at least we're paying less than the global average for fuel so that's our business wrap for today on the other side of this we tell you the state of fuel 100 rand in our buffalo index you're tuned in to the business bus we're talking the business of festivals on today's business buzz show we just came from giving you our business wrap and as you heard the rand is down uh, pmi index numbers have just come out and the fuel price is shockingly high but right now we want to get into the state of your 100 rand uh, that's our buffalo index where we tell you what you can 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 or cannot not 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 do with your 100 rand and i'm here in studio with my producer uh thing just give us a rundown of your 100 rand for this week how are you thing i'm good thanks madiwa how are you ah no no i'm all right how is my 100 rand looking this week your 100 rand is looking really good um there's a lot of uh, fun packed activities that you can do but let's get into it yeah so today we're talking all things music uh, we cover the top 10 festivals that take place in South Africa. Yeah. And these are always a great road tripping opportunity, giving us time to reconnect with old friends <laughs> as well as making new ones. Yeah. So in no particular order, these were the top 10 most popular ones. Yeah. So we have Africa Burn. And this is a community of participants that come together to create art, burning structures, costume performances, theme camps, music, uh, mutant vehicles, and much, much more. And this is done through a volunteer culture of the citizens of Tanqua Town in the Karoo, in the Karoo once a year. And then we have Vortex Phoenix um, Festival of Fire, and this costs 3.5 buffaloes. And the first one, the Africa Burn one, is actually 15 buffaloes, which we know is, is 1,500 rand. So the Vortex one is 3.5 buffaloes, and this is a three-day event, um, which is like literally back-to-back DJs, which are scheduled in a forest surrounded by mountains. So if that's your thing, uh, yeah, Vortex is the place you want to be. And then ultimate favorite um, for a few people that I did manage to chat to was Opikopi and this costs around 8.5 buffaloes and it's a rock music festival that takes place annually at Northern Limpopo 
And then we have Ultra Festival, which is 6.5 Buffaloes. And uh, this is an outdoor electronic music festival that is part of the Ultra Music Festival's worldwide expansion and is now spread to 20 countries. And then we have Millie Pop Festival, which is also 6.5 Buffaloes. This is a four-day music event, and it allows guests to camp at the venue based on a first-come, first-served basis. And then we have the Cape Town Jazz Festival. And uh, for a day pass, this is 6.99 Buffaloes, which is 690 Rand. And then 1,990 for a weekend pass. So it will uh, cost the listener 7 to 12 Buffaloes. Um, and this is just really a jazz festival that allows people from all walks of life to immerse themselves in the beauty of jazz music. And then we have the Love Project, which um, for early birds is 3.2 buffaloes. And then at the gate, you would pay four buffaloes. The Love Project is a, it's an overnight electronic music festival with um, a focus on uh, trance music with emphasis being on love. And then we have Splashy Fan Festival, which is for buffaloes. And this was is, is like um, established in 1990, making it the longest running music festival, uh, which uh, happens every Easter and attracts thousands of people to a farm near Underberg. And then uh, we have the Rock, uh, Rocking the Daisies, which is plus minus eight buffaloes. And this has become Cape Town's biggest live music festival. In addition to the mu- music, they transform a, a mountainous location into a mini village that is bustling with um, uh, mini markets and a lot of human interaction. And last but not least, we have Back to the City Festival, which is a hip-hop celebration that takes place on Freedom Day. And this would cost you two buffaloes. Have you been to any of these? Never. Never. I would love to go. I mean, I had my birthday last weekend, so I mean, I'm hoping someone who's listening, maybe like <laughs> maybe a co-presenter of, of some sort, is going to just bless miraculously. I, I wouldn't use the term bless. Okay. <laughs> I think that one's been contaminated a little bit too much. Let's just say maybe just gift me uh, with a birthday gift. Okay, to a festival. To a festival. Okay, so I can't think of which one as yet would be my favorite, but I mean. Considering the fact that a lot of people just highlighted Opi Kopi as one of the favorites, maybe that would be an interesting one to go to. Mm. I'm personally interested in uh, the Ultra Music Festival. Yeah, tell me why. Because uh, it's the 20 countries and I watch all their after movies oh, when, whenever they come out. I, I think, see. yeah. And the fact that um, what what I find unique about the South African one compared to um, Japan and the Philippines and Chile is that it's done in two cities. Yeah. You know, and you find some people will literally go to Cape Town on the Friday, yeah, and uh, fly, so yeah, then they fly yeah. to the Joburg one on the Saturday, and I'm like, all this for chasing. You I know, feel like that time. would make an even better birthday gift, definitely. <laughs> so, it's an interesting one. So, that's how our hundred rand is looking like uh, for this week. Um, on the other side of this, we're going to be getting into our main topic. Definitely make sure you uh, keep in touch for that one because, um, as you heard, we one of the festivals we highlighted was Splashy Fan Festival, and we are going to be talking to. Uh, the festival director for Splashy Fan. So definitely make sure you keep it locked. This is the Business Buzz. More justice on the Business Buzz.
This is the business buzz right here on Vow FM 88.1. Um, remember that you can keep in touch with us on uh, Facebook. That's uh, Voice of Vits. That's Vow FM. And then you can also find us uh, out here on Twitter. That's at Vow FM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. On Facebook, once again, you can also catch us um, on the Vits Radio Academy uh, Facebook page. Uh, you can find us there. And then you can also find our WhatsApp line. That's 084078. 4912. Stream the station live on vowfm.co.za and remember that podcasts of the Business Buzz show will be available on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So for today's show, um, we're going to be discussing the uh, the topic of festivals. Uh, we're looking at arts festivals, music festivals and the like. Um, there are some very um, famous festivals that tend to happen um, in and around South Africa, whether you're talking ultra Opi Kopi, um, Splashy, the Gramstown Arts Festival. Um, there are a lot of festivals that are happening um, in and around South Africa, in some of the communities, in certain towns, certain provinces. And for today, we want to discuss what the business is around these festivals. How are people making money from these festivals and how are they keeping them going? Um, what is the business model that is used and is it a viable business venture for you as our listeners to actually should he get into so on the line i am joined um as we begin we want to talk uh, to someone who's been in the industry uh for a while uh we want to talk to uh the director of uh splashy uh fan festival um that has been running since 1990 making it the longest running music festival in the country and then it happens every year just around that easter time uh, when thousands of people and their tents and pool floats uh, flock near a farm in underberg in KZN to listen to some of their favorite uh, bands. So, on the line, we are joined by Stu Berry, who is uh, the director, who is the festival director for Splashy. How are you, Stu? Yeah, good, thank you. It's great to be, great to be on here with all your listeners. Thank you for having me. Fine, thank you. Now, I understand that you've, uh, you've actually also worked on various other music festivals, such as uh, Music at the Lake Series, Marriott and Balito Beats, and then uh, the Eden Island uh, Music Series. So you, 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 understand, you understand this business quite a bit. Yeah, as a company, we started out in the sporting industry, so largely around mountain biking and trail running. Um, and then in 2010, decided that um, we needed to diversify a bit. And so um, we decided that music was where we wanted to diversify uh, for several reasons. We felt that being based in KZN, um, there was a distinct lack of live music culture and that that was a business opportunity for us. Um, And secondly, that, you know, as a company and the people involved in the company, we really enjoyed live music. And so in 2010, we did our first music concert and interesting enough out of Peter Maritzburg, which was Johnny Clegg, Vonderboom and good luck. And, And from there, the... Our love and relationship with music has obviously grown, and and we sit here in 2018, leading into 2019, with a fair number of music properties under our belt, both in South Africa and, and abroad. Now, a lot of festival goers tend to know just the fun side of these festivals. Uh, but can you take us a little bit into the business of it, from ticket sales to alcohol and spending on um, bands and infrastructure? Uh, where are the main places that your money is going in and then going out? Yeah, so I think the big thing with festivals is generally festivals, um, largely music festivals in South Africa, take place out of the urban areas, your successful music festivals. 
And so the biggest challenge, for example, that we are faced with in Splashy Fen is that we are located uh, 30 kilometers outside of Underberg. So we're generally, for most people that are coming from an urban area, at least three, four hours drive. Um, but that also means that we're at least three or four hours drive for all of our service providers. So, for example, with Splashy Fen, we spend in the region of around 200 to 250,000 rand purely on transport. Uh, to be able to get the fencing, the toilets, the marquees, and the security personnel, uh, the medical personnel, uh, all the infrastructure that we need to be able to operate that event. Um, we don't have that available within 10 or 15 kilometers of our venue. So that's one of our big challenges. Um, but on one hand, it's a challenge. On the other hand, it's, it's obviously a unique part of the festival in that um, I think most festivals are wanting to provide their clients with something that is different and something that is unique, something that they wouldn't experience on any other weekend in an urban setting. Um, so with the extra costs also comes the uniqueness of what we offer. And being able to travel three, four hours to a music festival in the middle of the Cold um, Drakensberg um, in a UNESCO World Heritage Site um, on a farm that has pretty much no infrastructure whatsoever um, is a huge attraction to a lot of people. And I think on one hand, as I mentioned, as much as that's a 250,000 rand cost in transport, on the other hand, it's a uniqueness that people are able to travel and experience the level of service that we have at a festival like this in the middle of nowhere um, at a location that Splashy Fen takes place in. So how does it then influence your business? Uh, you said earlier on that you have a number of music uh, properties um, underneath mm. underneath the umbrella, but I'm sure that in terms of festivals, you aren't having inf- uh, you aren't having a festival every day. So your business isn't one of those um, that's generating money on a daily basis. So how do you then structure your business operations because you have um, these events that happen um, at certain times of the year? How do you spread your your cash flow, for example, um, across as you move from let's say one to the next to the next? So I think, I mean, uh, and I suppose the discussion leading on from cash flow is largely focused around risk. Yeah. And as an events company, um, and as certainly someone that's involved in the music industry, it is a high risk, high reward. So um, your costs on staging an event for three, 4,000 people are pretty much the same costs on staging the event for five, 6,000 people. So it does become a quantity of numbers game. Um, and you also obviously, with regards to us and our, and our live music, a lot of that is outdoors. Um, we are very reliant on, on the weather, for example. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, it's, it's high risk, high reward, um, but there are many ways of limiting that risk. Um, and I think for us, we, we limit our risk through diversification, um, ensuring that uh, our music at the Lake series, which is at the Durban Botanic Gardens, for example, um, is a lot lower risk than a splashy fen, for example. So, from a company perspective, we know that on the average of 10, 15 years period and investing in these events... At some stage, there is going to be an issue with Splashy Fen from the perspective of weather, poor economy, etc., etc., which is going to hit a music festival of four days where the ticket price is 800 rand to 1,000 rand, a lot harder than it would a music at the lake type scenario where the ticket price is 120 rand, you arrive at 1 o'clock and leave at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I think from, from a matter of minimizing our risk, it's important to ensure that we diversify the type of music we do and the type of festivals and music experiences we do. Um, And that allows us to make conscious business decisions that um, cater, I suppose, for every scenario in terms of weather and risk that plays itself in the industry that we're in. So in terms of that then, what 
tends to then influence your revenue or affect your revenue the most is it the timing of the year is it is it uh, is it the higher and cost of setting up infrastructure is it uh, for example um and ticket prices or how much to charge or not to charge um and in the same breath how do you make your your festival stand out uh, because um the south african market is still relatively a small industry where it comes to festivals very much so um, and i think so the first important part for us there is to make sure that as a south african market we are in tune with international trends so for example every year we go over to two or three european music festivals we generally find that the european music festival um, industry is about three to four years ahead of our South African industry and South African trends. Yeah. So by going over and seeing what is happening from a ticketing perspective, from a clientele perspective, from a camping perspective, from a um, food and beverage perspective, from a stage uh, music interaction perspective, has been really important and really valuable to us as Splashy Fan owners in, in coming back with ideas and ensuring that we're ahead of that growth curve. Um, so I think that's that's the first part. Um, from a ticketing perspective, I think that is always a challenge in South Africa where we have such an up-and-down economy. Um, our challenge is always to try and keep our ticket prices as low as we possibly can. Uh, and often, you know, we will announce our ticket prices, which for 2019 will be, I think it's 780 rand for four days. Uh, and on face value, 790 rand is a large sum of money for someone. But when yeah. you actually break that 790 rand down, and you explain to the potential client that it's four nights worth of camping, which if you were to go and camp somewhere else would probably cost you 100 rand per night. That takes out 400 rand already. Um, if we take Splash Fair in 2018, for example, there were 321 musicians performing over five stages on four days. And when you break that down, it actually works out at about 1 rand 50, 1 rand 60 per band that you're watching. Oh, wow. So as soon as you break all of those elements down around a festival and a four-day experience, uh, you suddenly start to educate your clientele around the fact that 780 rand or 760 rand is actually very, very well spent. And that's an education process that I think in our industry we're always under pressure to ensure that we're communicating that as festival owners to our clientele as to say, yes, we want you to pay X amount of money, but for that you are going to be getting X amount of value. And I think the South African public is a is a well-educated public. Um, they... They certainly know in terms of our target market, they certainly know and are able to differentiate between I'm paying for something of value versus I'm paying something without value. Um, So it becomes a communication element and communication is really important for us. The other thing that I think is really important is festivals are unique and there aren't many in South Africa. Um, And so the knock-on effect from that is the unique opportunities for brands to get involved as partners. So as a brand, if I am continually looking at getting involved in urban events, um, most of your urban events follow the same trend. We have all these bin festivals that are sort of developing themselves around the place, which at the core of those festivals are all the same offering. So that market of an urban event becomes quite diluted, and so it becomes that much harder to be totally involved in that event and get the, um, get the exposure and the, and, and the sort of AVE returns that they need out of that. Yep. I think the unique thing about music festivals is, number one, it's not just a one-day festival. Uh, it's four days. So as a brand, you have a much longer period to interact with a potential customer and hence interact with your product. Um, and number two is these music festivals are generally unique. 
So Splashy Fen, for example, we can say wholeheartedly that there is no other music festival or event experience like that. And that is a hugely attractive element for a sponsor and a partner. So sponsors play a massive role in ensuring that that financial model of a music festival works. Um, and their attraction to a music festival, for example, from an investment perspective, is the fact that they know that being involved in activating properly uh, happens in a medium that doesn't happen every weekend for the consumer that they're dealing with. And I think that's a really unique element that, um, that is a huge asset to music festivals and something that we probably don't play well enough with potential partners around the uniqueness of music festivals and the, and the ability to interact with your clientele through your brand for four to five days. Yeah. So as, as we close off uh, this conversation, um, I'm sure there are some li- young listeners out there who are saying to themselves, Stu, I have, uh, I have uh, an evening. Um, at uh, I have an evening in Brownfontein um, once every three months where I bring a number of bands together um, and, the, and people seem to be um, receptive to this. We're building an audience. How would you advise that person to actually um, grow, their, grow their brand from just one night, for example, to being a full-on festival? And what sort of genres in the music space, for example, tend to be working at the moment uh, in, a, in, a, in a festival setup? I think the first thing is to properly understand your target market. So where is your venue located? Who is going to be interested in your venue? And understanding that target market then allows you to define the decisions that you make beyond that. So I think that's, that's really important. I often see new promoters and often see new people coming into the industry staging events for particular acts or particular genres in venues that are not um, hugely attractive to those, to those genres. So I think understanding your market and making sure that you're putting an event on at a venue that works is the most important part. And then the second element to that is say, cool, I understand my market. I understand the venue. What are the acts that work with this? Um, And I think one of the South Africans are good exploratory people. And we have a sense of adventure in us. We have a sense of wanting to see and understand new things. And uh, I see a lot of promoters always wanting to go for the big names, always wanting to make sure that the AKAs, the Macassas, the Jeremy Loops, the Goldfishers, the Prime Circles, the Good Lucks are always on the bills. Yes. And... And I think it's important to have a core character or a core uh, that, that brings credibility and can sell tickets. But I think we also have a huge responsibility to the South African music industry to ensure that the small band that we see on the corner street at the contained market, uh, that is really good busking on the side of the road. As promoters, we've got platforms and opportunities to provide those people with the next step up in their career. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's really important. I, I think back on our career as a company, um, to sort of seven, eight years ago when we saw the likes of Jerry Malutz uh, performing in Cape Town to sort of 50, 60 people and, uh, and good luck as well. Um, and seeing, seeing their live performances and understanding and appreciating that these guys were good and being able to put them onto our platforms which allowed them a step up. Um, and I think that's really important as promoters and as event organizers is at some stage you've got to take risks on the artists, the musicians who've, who've got a great live act but aren't necessarily being played on radio. And South African clientele are very receptive to those kind of people. And that, I suppose, would be one of my big messages is 
we have a duty to continue developing the music industry. And if we keep booking the major big acts, then the small acts don't get the platforms. And so we end up in three, four years when the next generation of musicians come through and we have this massive gap between yesteryear's big acts and the new generation. Uh, and that, that can be negative for our industry. So I think the opportunity to give up-and-coming acts opportunities uh, on stage with the platforms that we as promoters and as event organizers and festivals have is really important in ensuring that we have a future for South African music industry. So you heard it right there. We're talking to Stu Berry, who is uh, the Splashy Fan Festival director. Uh, just talking to him about uh, the landscape of music uh, festivals in South Africa and the business around them. Some takeaways from that, as you heard, um, you need to, one, understand your target audience, uh, what it is they want, what they're looking for. Uh, luckily enough, he's saying that uh, South Africa seems to have an exploratory market. So you've got people that are willing to try new things. So we, you can definitely definitely go and make a plan with that and see uh, what you can introduce on the market. And then the last thing, uh, big takeaway, he's uh, saying that um, if you're going to be doing music festivals, for example, um, you should try by all means to create platforms where bands and up-and-coming artists can actually um, use to progress and actually go to the next stage. So that's it. On the other side of this, we get into a different type of festival. Keep it locked. This is The Business Bar. Welcome back. We just came from uh, talking to um, the festival director for Splashy, but right now we want to now switch over from music festivals um, to arts festivals. Sorry. some of you may know that in South Africa there's a big festival that happens in the Eastern Cape. Uh, that's the Grahamstown National Arts Festival. And for this year, it's been running from the 28th of June and it's going to be until about uh, the 8th of July. Uh, that should be this weekend on Sunday. And on the line, we're actually joined by uh, the CEO of the National Arts Festival. We have Tony Lancaster on the line. How are you, Tony? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Um, in terms of uh, the Grahamstown Arts Festival, what's the history behind the festival? And has it been um, showing a growth trend over the years? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the festival started sure, about 44 years ago in 1974. Uh, and it's grown over the years, over the uh, four decades or so, um, into one of the world's biggest festivals. It's certainly the biggest in Africa. Um, and it's uh, one of the biggest around the world. Um, at a multidiscipline festival, we uh, stage about two and a half thousand performances over the course of 11 days, and it's everything. It's theatre, dance, music, jazz, uh, classical music, magic, family shows, uh, film, you name it, um, it happens here in Grahamstown. Uh, so it's a really special event, and uh, for a lot of South Africans, it's a bucket list event. It's one of those things that they sort of say, well, one, we've heard about it, one day we must get down to Grahamstown. Um, it, it is fairly unique globally in that what it does is it completely takes over uh, the small city of Grahamstown. Uh, you know, unlike and, and a festival in a city like Edinburgh or New York or Amsterdam, all of which are great festivals and great cities, uh, they, they, they happen as, as big, big festivals in big towns. Uh, we're a big festival in a small town. Uh, we com- completely consume that town uh, and, and we create a sort of bubble of amazing uh, in the middle of the Eastern Cape for people to come and enjoy. Um, now, Tony, I'm actually um, from Rhodes University and I've attended the Gramson um, Arts Festival at least four times in my life. And I can definitely attest to what you mean when you say that it completely takes over and consumes the town. Um, but yeah. from a business point of view, is it um, something that really uh, do we... 
overestimate how how much it contributes to the local economy or is it something that actually feeds into the lifeblood of the local economy each year um yeah it, it absolutely is uh we conduct and we do it every three years and we've done so for a, a number of years now um, we conduct a, a major economic and social impact study uh, we do it in partnership with Rhodes university's department of uh, economics uh, and they use a methodology that's employed globally uh, to assess the impact of events such as this. Uh, and what we found in the last survey in 2016 um, is that the festival contributes around about 377 million rand to the to the GDP of the province of the Eastern Cape, and about 94 million rand to the GDP of Grahamstown. Uh, th- those are big numbers, um, and they're important numbers for a province in a city such as ours. Uh, you know if you sort of drill right down into those numbers and you start unpacking them, you see that the festival itself directly employs about 400 people in the course of the festival. About 70% of those people, it's the only job they're going to have the whole year. Uh, We live and work and exist in in a very impoverished part of the country, uh, and for a lot of people, um, this event is their lifeline. Uh, It's just what they depend on, it's what they rely on. So we're very careful in in how we uh, curate the impact that that we have on our surroundings. So something that we're extremely conscious of. Yes, it's all glitz and glamour and excitement for 11 days a year. But this is our home for 365 days a year. So we are involved in a whole lot of projects that extend our benefits and extend the impact that we can have uh, in the city uh, throughout the year because it's important for the, for the city and the province. Now, something that's uh, interesting about the Grahamstown National Arts Festival, um, which you highlighted earlier on, is that uh, it's multidisciplinary because you have a film festival, there's a jazz festival, um, there's theatre, there's painting, um, and then there's just general performing, uh, performance, uh, performance arts. In terms of the economic research that you've done, which of uh, these areas um, tends to be the, uh, the most in terms of... Uh, pulling the crowds and actually attracting um, funding and funds in terms of ticket sales? Mm. Um, so every year, of course, we were able to do a complete analysis of our ticket sales and see um, what are the, are the big things. So the festival is divided into two sections. There's the main program, which is a very carefully selected and curated program of things. Uh, and, and then we've got the open access fringe, where anyone can come and perform. So it's, a, it's an open access stage. Anyone can fill in a registration form, turn up in Grahamstown and do a show. What we find is uh, interesting between those two different platforms is that in the curated main program, the shows that do the best tend to be theater um, and, and jazz. Those are the two strongest genres that we have under our main umbrella. And it's very much, uh, as far as theater is concerned, it's very much the place where we see a lot of premieres of work, a lot of work gets staged at Grahamstown first before it travels to other parts of the country. Uh, and interestingly, the ticket price that we charge here in Grahamstown, so you're going to see a show here, you can spend 70 or 80 rand to go and see a show, and if you wait a month later and go and see exactly the same show, the same production in Johannesburg or Cape Town, you'll pay two or three times that amount. Uh, so the festival is very much structured around a, creating a festival economy. On the fringe, um, it's slightly different uh, in that uh, theatre is still very strong there, but the other big uh, dom- dominant genre on the fringe is definitely stand-up comedy. Uh, again, it's, it's a place where a lot of stand-up comedians come and test new work, they come and try out new jokes and, and try new audiences. The grandson audience is discerning, but also very forgiving. They love the fact that um, comedians will try out new work and new material um, on them, uh, and and they give the, the artists the space to, to do all that. So with, within the festival as a whole, uh, we get all these little things happening, and, and there's safe bets. There, there's names that you recognize if you follow the arts, um, but there's also 
brand new, exciting, up-and-coming, emerging artists that you won't have heard of before you get to Bamestown, who are completely taking the festival and, and the city by storm. And we see that happen every single year, and, and it's very heartening to see. And then in terms of, uh, from the business point of view, you did mention earlier on um, about how the festival itself is something that encompasses the whole town and sort of takes over the whole town. So in terms of stakeholder engagement, what types of um, what types of discussions do you tend to have, whether it's with local municipal authorities around electricity, uh, the provision of water and the like, and then uh, yeah. some of the private businesses around how they might actually get on on, um, get on the platform or actually um, make money during the festivals. What's that engagement like? Yeah. Okay, so, so there's, there's, there's two responses there. First of all, on the infrastructure question around electricity and water, obviously, uh, like a lot of small municipalities in South Africa, Grahamstown does battle, it does struggle. Uh, and, and we have challenges around distribution of water and, and like a lot of other cities, uh, availability of water. Uh, but we also have uh, issues of crumbling infrastructure when it comes to electricity. Uh, we have an ongoing engagement with the municipality. It starts in January every year, and then we have weekly meetings with them and the entirety of the municipality, every single department that is affected by the festival, gets together in a room once a week, and we sit and, and work through checklists and, and we troubleshoot and make sure that the city is ready for the festival. What we saw happening this year was, was another layer on top of that, which feeds into the second part of your question, which is engagement with business and, and civil society. Uh, and what we saw happen this year was a lot of businesses said, you know what, the, the municipality is not able to step up. It, it has financial constraints at the moment, but we cannot let the city be presented to the world when the spotlight falls on us in the way that it currently is. So we saw local business step up and invest in things like street paint and light bulbs for the street lights and filling potholes and all those things that ordinarily one would expect a municipality to step in and do, but because of the incapacity of the municipality, business stepped in and did as well. We played a very much a, a facilitatory role in that whole process. We were telling local business, these are the areas of concern. This is an area that we expect to have lots of people. We need street lighting care uh, and things like that. We positioned the festival as a platform of opportunity for local businesses. We want businesses to look at the festival, look at the fact that we bring tens of thousands of people into the city, uh, and then find ways to make their experience more enjoyable and hopefully derive some economic benefit from that. So we work with businesses to set up um, uh, ad hoc bed and breakfasts or taverns or bars, introduce services like babysitting services and, and other things like that, which we know will enhance our businesses' experience, but it also creates employment opportunities and it creates opportunities for, for small businesses in Grahamstown to take advantage of this massive event that pulls in all these people into the city for a very short space of time. And then... What type of misconceptions do you find yourself being uh, being confronted with, uh, maybe from your visiting public, attendees, local businesses and the like? Uh, because the way that you're talking, it really does sound like it's a massive operation and a massive undertaking. So what are some of the things that people might perceive um, a bit wrong as opposed to what the actual reality is on the ground? Um, you know, I think that's an interesting question. I think uh, the, the biggest misconception is, uh, comes to be in the form of a question when people say to me, oh, you run the festival, what do you do for the other 350 days a year? Um, <laughs> which is a question that, yeah, raises the blood pressure a little bit. Um, so uh, I, I think one of the things that surprises people a lot is the size of the team behind the festival and the fact that there are only 12 of us employed full-time by this event. Um, but we really punch above our weight in terms of what we're able to do. And I see how festivals around the world are stopped 
um, and they have luxurious starting levels compared to us. In South Africa, and I think this is a South African thing, we tend to make the plan, and we tend to get by with far fewer resources, perhaps, um, than our peers and our contemporaries in other countries, and that, that's good to know. So I think in terms of misconceptions, I think um, a lot of people, they arrive in Grahamstown for the festival forgetting that this is our home for 365 days a year, as I was saying earlier. And the problems that they see when they come here, the stark difference, the economic inequality in the city, um, the big gap between rich and poor, the high levels of unemployment, um, the fact that geographically, and you'll know this having come from Grahamstown, geographically there's a very stark difference between east and west. But we live with that every single day of our lives throughout the year. And it's something that we as an organization are trying to address year-round. We don't just think about it for 10 days a year when everyone else thinks about it. We're thinking about it all the time. So it is slightly frustrating when people come to Grahamstown and they point things out to us that we know. It's like someone coming to your house and pointing out the holes in the carpet. <laughs> we know there are holes in the carpet. You know, don't come here and tell us that. We know we're working hard to try and fix them. Um, we don't need you to come and tell us that. So there is a little bit of frustration, I think, that creeps in in the way that Grahamstonians deal with um, some of that kind of criticism. Um, because people come in, they criticize and then they leave. Uh, and, and that is frustrating. But that aside, you know, it doesn't matter. We, we know that it comes from a good place, and we know that people who come to this festival um, come because they care, and they care about what we do, and they respond really well to what we do. And we welcome them. We want them here. Um, and the fact that we can stage this event gives us exactly the tools and the platform we need to make the difference that we can do for the rest of the year. So we run all sorts of projects. We run a cinema year-round. We fund um, a, a visual art teaching post at Chica Secondary School in, in the township here in Grahamstown because without that, kids at that school would not be able to study art as a matric subject. So we run a whole lot of projects like that just to try and bring the creative industries into the everyday fabric of everyday life for everyone in Grahamstown. And we do that 365 days a year. And then lastly, um, concerning the town, because I think over the last couple of minutes, the issue of Grahamstown as a town has actually come, become quite central. Um, in terms of sustainability of the festival as a whole, um, do you see Grahamstown as a location being a sustainable location? I know that over the years there have been debates about possibly moving um, the festival to maybe a bigger city, a different locale and the like. In your view, you, is it still a sustainable location for the foreseeable future? So you, you say that the, the, the debates have happened over the years. I think those debates are happening in one or two delusional minds, to be honest, because they certainly aren't happening at any gathering where I'm present. <laughs> the festival is not going anywhere. The festival was born from the soil of Grahamstown. It is an Eastern Cape event. Um, we're not taking it anywhere. This is the Grahamstown National Arts Festival or the Makanda National Arts Festival, whatever you wish to call it. It is the National Arts Festival, and, and it was started by an organization here in the city, and it's going to stay here in the city. So that, that's our starting point. Now, that said, uh, to, in order to keep it here, we need to make sure that the city's infrastructure is as good as it can be. We need to make sure that the festival can be leveraged to unlock some of the national funds needed to fix the roads or fix the, the water or fix the sewage or whatever the case might be. And we can use the power and the impact of the festival to do that. But we don't want to go anywhere else. As a business, we are looking at other business opportunities. So we've started two festivals in Cape Town. We're currently talking about starting an international festival in another country, and we're partnering with people to make that happen. Um, we absolutely want to use our core competency and our skills to run other similar events elsewhere, but they're not competing with the National Arts Festival. You know, everyone's allowed to have a home, and everyone's allowed to have a holiday home if they, if they want. Um, and so the Grahamstown National Arts Festival is our home, but that doesn't stop us having a holiday home in Cape Town or Johannesburg or anywhere else. 
Um, We're we, we allowed to do that, and we do it so that we can use our skills and our uh, capacity and our capability as a company uh, to, to run these other events. And we do it so that we can earn management fees, which then come back into Grahamstown and help make the Grahamstown event that much stronger. It's not a difficult or complex business strategy. It's quite a simple one. Unfortunately, people see that as being, well, they've started the Cape Town Fringe. Obviously, they're now going to look to move the festival. That's not the, the, the case. If it is, then someone more powerful than me is having these conversations behind my back because I'm certainly not part of that. Uh, we don't want to go anywhere. We invested in the city. This is our home. Thank you so much. That was us on the line. We're talking to Tony Lancaster, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the National Arts Festival in Grahamstown. As you heard, he stated it categorically that the Grahamstown uh, National Arts Festival is not going anywhere. Uh, but from a business point of view, um, we, we, they need to be doing more to actually make sure that the town's infrastructure can keep supporting um, the festival as a whole and that the festival is actually contributing a lot to the Grahamstown economy. Uh, some interesting numbers coming out from there. I think he said uh, 90 million rand towards the Grahamstown economy and more than 300 million rand being contributed directly to the Eastern uh, to the Eastern Cape province as a whole. So it's a definitely a very important festival and it's uh, multidisciplinary which means it's giving opportunities uh, to people across the board. On the other side of this, we come to the end of our show. Keep it locked. This is The Business Buzz. Very interesting uh, discussions coming through from uh, today's show. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to the show. Uh, We were talking to the organizers of Splashy around the music festivals in South Africa. And they're saying that South Africa is an exploratory market. So if you want to start a festival around whatever genre you're into, you can definitely give it a shot. Uh, Start with one night somewhere in the city and see how many people can come out, grow it to a weekend, and then maybe you might have yourself a new Opie Copy or Rocking the Daisies. And then after that, we spoke uh, to Tony Lancaster, who is from the National Arts Festival in Grahamstown, telling us about how um, they are using uh, their platform in Grahamstown to actually grow um, uh, the city as a whole and actually grow outside of the city. So it's an interesting debate uh, around festivals, whether or not they are um profitable i think that's the word i'm going to use whether or not they're profitable and whether as a small player you actually have a place um in the economy or whether you should be looking to start your own festivals but i look forward to hearing what you people uh, out there actually think about these issues if you have your own festival or if you've been attending a lot of festivals uh tell us some of your thoughts on facebook we have our fm that's voice of vits and we have our own that's uh, the vits radio academy facebook page and then on Twitter, that's uh, hashtag business buzz. And then our handle is at VALFM. 0840784912, that's our WhatsApp line. And then you can stream us live. That's VALFM.co.za. Podcasts of the Business Buzz Show will be available on journalism.co.za forward slash business. So with that, we've reached the end of tonight's show. Thank you to our amazing team, our executive producer, Alna Schutz, and our amazing team, uh, our amazing production team, that's Tlingi uh, Wazondo, and our uh, technical production is done by Kutlano Serame. Take this time to just welcome a new addition to our team. Uh, we have welcome in the building. How are you welcome? <laughs> so same time, same place. Don't miss the business bus for more insights into the world of business. Next up on the VAW FM uh, lineup we have a life beast so definitely make sure you don't turn that down. For myself, Leo Mob Justice Covers is good evening and take care.
Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Listen to the Business Buzz every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Only on Power FM. The Business Buzz Podcast.